Well, good morning, everyone. And I'm glad each one of you are here this morning as we break open God's Word. And so if you'd like to open with me to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Um, I just want to mention that after our morning service, we have our fellowship dinner downstairs. And uh, Liz Yasinowski is going to be sharing a testimony of how the Lord intervened and saved her life through a vicious dog attack. And so we encourage you to come down and hear that testimony as well during our supper. And uh, we're going to be starting children's church program again. And so we do need help. And so if any of you would like to volunteer in order to uh, provide um, you know, staff, I'd encourage you to mention something to me or even to uh, uh, Nikki. She'll be the one that'll be putting everything together anyway. Also, um, I don't remember what else I was going to say. Oh, yes, yes, thank you. Um, Pastor Frank Jr. and I and our families are going to be going on vacation like we do every year. So for the next two weeks, we'll only be having an 11 o'clock service. For the next two weeks, just an 11 o'clock service. And uh, next week, we're going to have Israel Man Hayward. I know your middle name. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be sharing. And Dan Webb will be sharing the week following. So we encourage you to be here for that. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and how thankful we are, Lord, that you have given us your word, because your word is what is able to direct us and to give us encouragement and to give us hope, because, Lord, this world seems to be getting darker, but your word seems to be shining all the brighter. And so come and minister to us through your word as we look into this portion of Scripture, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You know, these um, last few chapters that we've been looking, in, uh, looking at have been on cursing and blessing. And we have to understand that only God brings cursing and blessing. Now, we might have difficulties in our life. We might have circumstances that are very hard to handle. But it's only God who actually brings what we call blessing and cursing. And so we have to realize that his um, discipline only comes because of our disobedience. We have to realize that God has called us to be faithful to him. And when we are faithful to him, then his judgment towards us is reward. But when we choose to be unfaithful, and it goes the opposite way. And we have to realize that God's discipline is never out of anger. His discipline is always to encourage us in our walk with him. He disciplines us, Scripture says what? Because he loves us. God disciplines only those that he loves, that it might work a harvest of righteousness in those that are trained by it. So when God's discipline comes, Lord, what are you saying to me? What do I need to do? What do I need to learn? And then move on in our walk with the Lord in a more positive way. And so we have to realize that it's by God's grace that you and I live, right? The only reason any of us get along is by God's grace. And we also have to remember that God's grace is not just a New Testament um, you know, doctrine that we have. A lot of people think, oh, the, you know, the, the law is under the Old Testament, grace is under the New Testament. No, we have to understand grace goes all the way back to the beginning, right to the beginning. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned? God shed the blood of animals in order to cover them with skins. 
That was the very beginning of God's grace. And we have to also remember that in the Old Covenant, when people were sacrificing bulls and goats and lambs and so forth, it wasn't the blood that was making atonement for their sin. It was their confession. Their confession of faith, and that's the reason they brought, you know, the goats and the bulls and, and, and their blood was shed. It was because they had the faith to believe that God would forgive them. And it was all grace. Because it is by grace that you and I are able to stand as believers. There's not one of us here, not a single one of us, that can say, well, you know, since the day I got saved, I've never committed sin. I'm just, hey, I'm just about as perfect as you can get. It's not true. Every one of us falls to sin. In fact, if you want to think back to the last time you, you have sinned, you don't have to go very far. None of us do. But God's love is so complete that when we cry out to him and say, God, forgive me, a sinner, he does because he loves us so much. So we're picking up in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 20. Go to chapter 29 and verse 20. <clears throat> and it starts off by saying the Lord would not spare him. Well, spare him, who are we talking about here? Well, if you go back to what Pastor Frank was sharing, he's talking about the person who thinks that they can achieve salvation on their own. Well, if I do this good thing and I do that good thing, you know, the Lord's got to accept me. And, but I'm not, I, don't, I don't have to follow the, the law of God. I don't have to go the way of the Lord. Well, that's what he's speaking of there, here, when he says, the Lord would not spare him, that person who thinks that they have their own righteousness. For then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man, and every curse that is written in the book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. That's serious. Because every one of us wants our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we don't ever want to come under, we don't ever want to come under that place of this kind of damnation that's talked about here. But we have to understand, too, that it's not something that accidentally happens. It's when people refuse to follow the Lord, when they refuse his free gift of salvation, when they, for, when they refuse all that he has so freely given to we who are sinners. It's a very serious thing. So that's the reason we need to follow the Lord and love him and be obedient by faith through grace, not of works. Otherwise, we'd all be boasting about it. Verse 21. And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in the book of the law, so that the coming generation of your children who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from far land would say, when they see these, the plagues, in other words, all that's happened on the land, on that land, and the sicknesses which the Lord um, has laid on it. In other words, people are going to be saying, why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to Israel? Why all this cursing? Why, why were they removed from the land? Well, we have to understand that no one is exempt from the judgment of God. But we also have to understand judgment is not just negative. Judgment's positive. We have judges at different kinds of, uh, well, my granddaughter, she's a gymnast. We have judges at, at gymnastic meets. And the judge not only judges, oh, that was a bad performance. The judge also says that was a good performance. And so God is our judge, but it's not a performance. It's a matter of faith. 
It's a matter of believing God and believing his word. And if we believe him, then we walk according to his statutes because no one is exempt. Now, his judgment, listen, is not based on obedience, but it is based on our love for him, which leads to obedience. So many people, when they think of obedience, they think of it as a works kind of thing. You got to do this, and you got to do that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. But it's a matter of faith that leads to obedience. It's not obedience that leads to faith. It's faith that leads to obedience and draws us closer to the Lord. Now, um, we all have choices to make, right? Every one of us has choices to make. And the, re- the reward that we receive is based on the choices that we make towards God. If your choice is, you know what, Lord? I don't believe you. I'm going to do any- anything I want. I'm going to live my life any way I want. That's your choice. But if your choice is, Lord, I believe you. I love you. And I commit my life to you. That's your choice. And the thing is, we have to understand choices have consequences. We know that, right? In life, choices have consequences. In Galatians chapter 6, and I'd like you to turn there. Keep your finger here in Deuteronomy. Turn to Galatians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, and go to verse 7. Galatians 6, starting with verse 7. I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. It's interesting how it starts here in verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, if God says something, it will be so. You can make fun of it, but you can't mock God because it'll be true. Whatever God's word says is true. So anyway, this portion goes on to say, um, God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith." And so God isn't mocked. Whatever we reap, we sow. If we sow to the, as it tells us here, if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, we're going to receive everlasting life, and we're going to receive hope and promises from God. And so every day we have to understand the choices we make have consequences. It's so easy to say, well, this is just between, you know. Every choice we make has consequences. Now, The thing we have to realize is that our eyes need to be open to the consequence of sin. Because we see what happened to Israel. Here you have a people, and understand, Moses is prophesying this even before they came into the land. They haven't even left the desert yet. They haven't crossed the Red Sea yet. And he's prophesying that once they come into the land, things are going to go great for a while, then they're going to turn their back on God, and these are the consequences that will befall them. So, the question that you and I have to ask ourselves is what do we strive after? The things of God or the things of the flesh? What do we strive after? 
Have you ever wondered, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who goes through this, but have you ever had those times that you're laying in bed or maybe you're just sitting by yourself and you start thinking, how much do I really strive to follow the Lord? How much do I really put of my time and effort into being in his presence and worshiping him? And how much of it is just trying to entertain myself? Just wanting things to do and to go here and to go there, get my work done, this and that. But to really think of the things of God. You know, Faber wrote a poem, and I can't quote it exactly, but it talks about just, oh, what a blessing it is just to think on the things of God. To take time and just think about the Lord. There's nothing that will bring your mind to the remembrance of all that God has done, like reading his word. And I cannot encourage every one of you, each one of you, enough to have some kind of a systematic study through the Bible personally. You can't come to church and just hear Pastor Frank Jr. and I preach and thinking that's all the Bible you need. Well, I've had my you know, Sunday's worth of Bible. Now I'm set for a week. We need to be in the Word every day because when we are in the Word, the Word is in us. And I really do encourage you, have a systematic Bible study. And I shared this, I think, last week. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I did, but if I didn't, here it is again. Uh, if you read approximately six chapters a day, you'll go through the entire Bible in a year. Six chapters. And it's a wonderful thing. And don't do it as some kind of a works um, you know, project that you have. It has to be because you want to be in fellowship with the Lord. And if you're sitting down and thinking, oh, I've got to read six chapters, oh my gosh, really time. Don't do it. But take a time when you relax, maybe when you lay in bed at night or, or maybe you're sitting in your favorite chair in the evening or whatever, and take time to read through the Bible. And it's also a good way to start your day because God's Word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so we have to make sure that we take time to be in the Word. You know, one of the things that I found as a pastor, and I'm sure Pastor Frank Jr. has found the same thing, is that being a pastor, you're in the Word. I'm in the Word almost every day studying for Sunday morning. But that is not the same thing as my private time with the Lord. It's completely different. I'm not saying that when I'm studying and working on a message, the Lord doesn't speak to me. In fact, no one feels more conviction over my teachings than me. You only have to hear it for 40 minutes. I hear it all week from the Lord. <laughs> oh, you know. But that is not my personal and private time with the Lord. I have to have that as well, and we all do. Now, <clears throat> and, and I, I wrote this down because I, I, I think this is so important. When it comes to our walk with the Lord and, 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 and our obedience to Him, it's not about perfection, it's about direction. You understand the point I'm making? So many people, when they're following the Lord, and they're reading His Word, and they're desiring to follow hard after Him, they think it's all about perfection. I've got to be perfect. I've got to make sure that I read this much. I have to make sure I do these, these, you know, these good deeds today, and I have to make sure that I do this, and I have to make sure that I do that. Well, it's not about perfection. It's about direction. What direction are you going in? I love Jesus. I want to follow Him. I want to give Him my whole heart. That's the direction we should be going in, you see. None of us will ever be perfect, I'm sorry to say, until we are with the Lord. And that's going to be one of the most glorious things about our glorified body, 
is that we won't even know how to sin. And I, I tell everybody, you know, many, many times, you know, in my preaching, you want to study 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because it's one of the greatest promises you'll ever find. That one day we will shed this physical body and we'll put on a spiritual body. The physical came first and then the spiritual. And when we have our glorified bodies, we won't even know how to sin. The only thing that we'll be desiring to do is to worship the Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful promise that is from God's word. <clears throat> okay. And the thing we have to understand is it does take some commitment in order to have these times of fellowship with the Lord. Because, <clears throat> for instance, let me just use as an example um, that I'm very familiar with. This is an example that I really I can identify with. It's a lot easier to be lazy, eat junk food, and sit in front of a TV than it is to work out, eat right, and spend time with the Lord. Because there are some people who think, well, once you're saved, that's just the easiest thing in the world to do. It still requires some commitment. It still requires us to go in a certain direction. I mean, it's real easy for me. Not that it's the best thing in the world, and it's not that I do it all the time, but like my granddaughters were over last night, my youngest one, so I, I had no choice, but to get a bowl of chocolate peanut butter ice cream, okay? And then there's not enough peanut, peanut butter on it, so you drizzle a little bit more peanut butter, and then you put Reese's Pieces on it, and Heath Bar, and then you get hard shell over that, and then you fill it up with whipped cream. And the little thing, if you put your whipped cream in the side and go around, you can get a lot more in there. And, you know, it fills up over it. And you sit there and you eat that. And that's so easy. It really is. Now, to get up in the morning and think, you know what I need to do? I need to fresh squeeze some orange juice and I need to have a protein drink and then I'm set for the day. That's a little bit more difficult. But what's better for you? You understand the point I'm making. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a treat once in a while. You realize that. The Bible's all through, uh, you know, all through the Bible we find that feasting is a way of celebration. <clears throat> but the point I'm making, it's a lot easier to fall to the flesh than it is to walk after the Spirit. And um, that's why I love what it tells us here in Galatians chapter 5, if you take notes. Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading verses 24 and 25. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so it's a choice. But I don't think there's any one of us that hasn't, you know, in our past, in our life, recognized that making the right choices are always better for us than making wrong choices. Right? Now we're moving down to verse 23 of chapter 29. And this is talking about the destruction that would come and did come on Israel because of their disobedience to the Lord. The whole land is brimstone, salt, and burning. It is sown. It is not sown. In other words, no seed, no planting. Nor does it bear, no crops. Nor does any grass grow there. Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zobium, of which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath. Now, 
uh, Edma and uh, Zeboim is actually how you pronounce it. Those are two cities that were very close to Sodom and Gomorrah that also were destroyed when God brought burning fire and brimstone on them, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath. All nations would say, why has the Lord done this to this land? What does, the, what does the heat of this great anger mean? Then people would say, because this is the reason all this happened, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. For they went and they served other gods and they worshiped them, gods that they did not know, and he had, and he had not given them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against this land, to bring on it every curse that is written in the book. I'm talking about the Bible, of course, book of the law. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger, in wrath, and great indignation, and he cast them into another land as it is this day. Now, God did not bless Israel because simply they were a special people. God blessed Israel because of their faith because they're obedience to him. And when they turned from him and they were disobedient, then God's cursing came. In other words, God's judgment came in a negative way, and they were taken from the land and scattered throughout the world. Now, verse 29. This is important, and it'll be the last thing I talk about when we get towards the end of the message. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now, the Lord through Moses, as I mentioned earlier, was prophesying that because of unbelief and unfaithfulness and the worship of other gods, he was going to destroy them and take them out of the land. Well, he took them out of the land in Babylonian captivity, but he took them out of the land in 70 A.D. when Flavius Titus Vespasian came in and he sacked Israel and destroyed the people, sold a bunch of them into Egyptian slavery, and they were scattered throughout the world, throughout the world, just as was prophesied here. And it was all because of their unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so we have to realize that all that God said would befall unbelieving Israel happened just as he said it would. That is what we call prophecy. And it should encourage us that future prophecy is also going to take place just as he said in Numbers, chapter 23 and verse 19, it said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? In other words, God said, if you do not walk in my ways, if you turn against me, you will be destroyed and taken out of this land. And that's exactly what happened. Because God is faithful. Let, let, you know, let God be true and every man a liar. Because, and, and, and that's not talking about the fact that we have a habit of lying and that is our lifestyle. But the reality is, there are times that we say things that just don't come that pass, that really just aren't true. But God is not a man he can lie. Everything God says will come to pass. It's yes and amen in the Lord. <clears throat> Turn with me to um, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 20. <clears throat> And I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 20 and then Ezekiel chapter 37. So if you can just put your finger in both those spots. And first from Ezekiel chapter 20, 
I'm going to read verse 34, Ezekiel 20, verse 34. And it says this. I will bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. So in other words, even though God said he would scatter them throughout the world, there wouldn't be a place that you wouldn't find in, uh, in Israeli. He said, I promise to bring you back together. You know, um, if you've ever been to Israel, and I've had the pleasure of being there, you know, three times, it's an amazing thing because you find Jews that are black, you find Jews that are Asian, you find Jews that are Hispanic, and they're Jews. You can't come back into the land unless you've had, you know, DNA testing to prove that you can come in and, and become one of their citizens. And so when it says they were scattered throughout the world, they were scattered throughout the world in unbelief. But then in the last days, as it's telling us here in Ezekiel, he would gather them back in. Now, go to Ezekiel 37 now, in verse 21. Ezekiel 37 and verse 21. Then say to them, this is Ezekiel 37, 21. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God. We have to understand, whenever we see that in Scripture, thus says the Lord God, and in your Bible it should be a capital L and a capital G, it's talking about when the Lord says something, that's it. There's no question if, ands, or buts, or maybes, or, or, or different angles. If God says something, that's it. It's going to be. So I love that. And um, thus says the Lord, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land. And that's amazing because they are one nation. Now, when we get into the kings, we're going to find that Israel actually was separated into two parts. The southern kingdom was Judah and Benjamin, and they stayed with the Lord for many, you know, followed the Lord for many years um, longer than the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom was taken into Assyrian captivity, and the southern kingdom eventually into Babylonian captivity. But when they were released from captivity, from Babylonian captivity, uh, through Cyrus, and they were brought back into the land, all 12 tribes came back in. And they were one nation again. And then, of course, we know what happened in 70 AD. They're scattered again. But now they're all back in the land as one people. And the interesting thing is, when you're in Israel, they speak the ancient Hebrew. I'm, I'm saying that if Abraham would, have, would go to Israel today, he could understand them. They speak the ancient Hebrew in Israel. It's absolutely amazing. And so you have people from every different country in the world, and they come there, and they're able to speak the same language together, Hebrew. It's absolutely amazing, promises of God. Now, all that God prophesied would happen to Israel has been fulfilled. And so we have to understand that this brings us to one of the most interesting things ever in prophetic history. And that is something that happened for some of us in our lifetime. Israel became a nation. On May 14th, 1947 or 8, I can't remember, 48 I think it was, Israel became a nation. Again, declared a nation. 
That's never happened before. There's no nation of the Hittites or the Jebusites. Or, you know what I'm saying? They, when they were destroyed, they were destroyed and gone. But the Jews, in all those centuries that they were scattered throughout the world, they remained an, an identifiable people. They stayed an identifiable people. Why? So that when God called them back in, they would be able to come back into the land as his people. It's absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so, when you think about Israel becoming a nation again, and the unraveling of the whole world, including this country, the, uh, the world is unraveling. Do you understand that? I mean, we all know about the gas shortage. That was sabotage. And there's a ransom paid in order to put the gasoline back online. I mean, this whole world is unraveling. Things are going crazy. And the thing we have to understand is that it's all leading us to the prophecies of the end that the Word of God you know, tells us about. And so we have Israel back in the nation. When that happened, man, I'm telling you what, the time clock started for the last hour. And they've been a nation now for more than 70 years. And so it's time, very close to the coming of the Lord. You know, one of the things that's interesting, and whether you agree with this or not, but that's, I, I'm sharing this so we understand why Christians shouldn't get overly involved in politics. You should vote your conscience. I do. But we shouldn't be overly involved in, and, and hopeful in politics. Oh, this politician is the savior of the world. More than 25 years ago, when I was preaching on the second coming of Jesus Christ, and I was talking about, you know, the, the, the nation of uh, the United States just falling away from the Lord, I made this statement. I think it will come through a liberal backlash. Some of you might remember, well, not too many of you, Frank might remember and buy, but I, I said that, that this nation would go so liberal, in the world so liberal, that there'd be a whoo, backlash. And I believe that we're going to see a backlash towards conservatism that people are going to put their hope in, and their hope shouldn't be there, because our hope is only in the Lord. I mean, politically and socially and morally and so forth, I am a conservative. But what I'm talking about is there's going to be a conservative movement where people are putting all their focus on the movement rather than on the Lord. I mean, think about it. We love um, our nation. All of us do. But yet, even in the conservative movement, there was this very soft and accepting attitude towards homosexuality, towards, um, you know, all kinds of sin. It's just, oh, that's just the way people are. Well, that's what happens when you try to blend politics and our faith. Because they don't go together. Because here's the thing. Homosexuality, incest, adultery, fornication, drunkenness, and, and so forth. We know that whole portion of Scripture. They're all sin. And putting them under a conservative umbrella doesn't make them okay and so we're at a place now where our world is just in flux and we have to understand before all these things begin to happen before the war of ezekiel 38 you guys all know what's happening in israel at least you should what's happening in israel right now and they're you know on, on the brink 
And all those nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 that would come against Israel from the north are in play in this present conflict. They're there. And the thing that Scripture teaches us is that before this invasion of Israel, where God will supernaturally destroy their enemies, we're going to be raptured. We're going to be raptured. And so the time of his coming is so close at hand. I remember Pastor Chuck, um, he's a funny guy, and he was at the shopping mall with his wife, um, you know, before he died, obviously, years ago. And he said to his wife, he said, wow, he said, Thanksgiving must be close to Christmas decorations are up. And she goes, what? And his point was that before you even get to Thanksgiving, the Christmas decorations are up, so it means Thanksgiving is near. Well, when we see the signs of, of uh, this, you know, this is War of Ezekiel 38, when we see the signs of this world just falling apart, we know the rapture is at hand. And so the rapture of the church is at hand. God is coming to take his people out of the world. And just as every prophecy we find in Scripture has been fulfilled in exact detail, so will this one. Jesus is coming back for his church. And the last thing I told you I was going to talk about is verse 29, if you want to look at that again. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. The simple meaning of this is that God has revealed to us through his word and by his spirit. God has revealed to us what we need to know. He's revealed to us his word. But anything that is outside of that is just of man. There are some things that God does not share that are just for him alone. For instance, the exact day he's going to return. He told us we should be aware of the time and the season, but the exact day he returns is just for him alone. And there are many things that you and I might not understand. You know, why does the Bible say this? Or why is, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. There are things that God knows that I don't know. A whole lot of things. And if he hasn't revealed them to me, then it's not up to me to know. I just have to accept it and just have to have faith and believe and wait for the Lord's return. Because we have to realize it's so important for us not to allow ourselves to get caught up into all these false teachings and doctrines and everything else that are out there. You know, um, the point I'm getting at is this. You have, um, you know, the Gospel of Enoch. You have the Da Vinci Codes. And you could go on and on and on with all these other conspiracy kinds of things. They're not inspired word of God. So when people came, come to me, have you read the Da Vinci Codes? No. Have you read the Gospel of Enoch? Nope. Why not? It's not of God. I have no intention of, of studying and, and getting all involved in all these conspiracy kinds of theories that have nothing to do with the Word of God. And that's why we as believers, we need to be careful because it's so easy to get caught up in this conspiracy and get caught up, well, you know it's really going to happen. Well, you know this is going to happen. Well, you know, uh, these, these states have actually admitted that they, they committed voter fraud and, 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 and actually they're going to impeach Biden. They're going to say he's not really the winner and put Trump into office. What? Number one, that's stupid. 
And, and number two, what can, what can I do about it? All I have to do is believe and follow the Lord. But some people get so caught up in these conspiracy kind of theories that they fail to just trust the Lord. Everything, that's what this portion is talking about. There are some things that are for God alone, but what God wants us to know, he's given us. This is all we need to know. I don't have to watch, you know, some conspiracy show and find out this and that's going to happen. And, you know, I got to make sure that I store up enough food for 27 years and I have to have enough ammo to kill three armies and, and all this kind of stuff. That's all stupid. It's a matter of simply trusting Jesus Christ. Well, what if this happens? I belong to the Lord. Whether I live or whether I, what's the next part? Die, I belong to the Lord. Whether we live or whether we die, we're the Lord's. So it makes no difference what's happening in the world. So to get ourselves, oh, he's not given us the spirit of fear and trepidation. Isn't that what the word of God says? And so if we get ourselves all psyched and all anxious and worried about this and worried about that, I'm going to that. it's not according to the word of God. And we can come up with all the reasons and excuses of why this is okay and this is okay and we should do this and we should do that. But the reality is, <clears throat> it's not okay. We stand on the word of God and on the word of God alone. Not on all these wild theories of men. Because when you get involved in all those wild theories of men, you forget the most important thing, the Lord and trusting him. That's what faith is all about. You trust him. You trust him. Father, we thank, <clears throat> thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for the way you're able to speak to us through it. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would be a people that trust you, that we commit our lives to you and not to the things and dictates of this world. We follow your word and not extra-biblical sources, we stand in your truth and not the lies of the world. And I pray, Father, that we would be your witnesses, that we'd be your example in this world that has such great need. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Okay. Yeah, my brothers come forward. You know, one of the reasons that we share communion is just what it says in our table here. It's taken from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Do this in remembrance of me. God wants us to share communion for one purpose, to remember him and all that he's done. What did he do? He died for all of our sin. No matter what's going on in this life, if you're a believer, you're going to heaven. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So what hope we have in God. And that's why we have to keep our focus on him. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of what? He paid the price. All the promises he's given us. We can't turn from him. We can't allow anything to take our focus off who God is and the promises that we have in him. And so on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, which would have been unleavened bread like we use here, is the... And he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It was symbolic, obviously. It's broken for you. And Jesus was beat beyond recognition, as a man, Scripture tells us, because of his love for you and for me. Jesus didn't die on the cross for himself. He did it for you and I. He did that only that we might have fellowship and be with him for all eternity. Then he took the cup. 
And, you know, it was the fruit of the vine. They were celebrating uh, the Passover. And he drank of that. And he said, this cup is my blood, which is shed out for you. There's no remission for sin without the shedding of blood, Scripture tells us. But his blood was shed once and completely for all who call upon his name. The blood of Jesus Christ washes us from all sin. So when we take communion, and anyone who's a believer is welcome to take communion. I don't care if you're, if you're a visitor or whether you're four years old. If you know Jesus, children are more innocent than we are. And you're welcome to participate in it because it's a reminder of what God has done for each one of us. Father in heaven, how thankful we are for your word and the truth we find in it. And I pray, Lord, that as we share this communion together, it would be a reminder of your love, your, your unconditional love for each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, truly bless this communion, this sacrament, to our spirit's understanding, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
Jesus Christ did it all for you. And he did it all for me. That anyone who believes on the Lord shall have eternal life. This is to our comfort. And so therefore, take and eat and drink and be so thankful to your God. Thank you, Lord, for this sacrament that is a continuous reminder of your love poured out for us. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd bless this sacrament to our soul and spirit's nourishment, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And God bless you, my dear friends.